It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! What a big day! Hey! Sports show. This might be one of the biggest days. Outside of our launch, I feel there's something in the air today that we haven't felt before. Tell us why, because you're wearing a jacket. Yeah, I got a suit jacket on. He can't Something's move. big. Either someone died or someone's being born. Um, my career is being born on a higher level. <laughs> That's what's happening. Just don't ask him to like move. No, nah, I can't get in the stands. Bro, this split. is like high quality stuff. That's this crush. Is, it almost looks like a smoking jacket. It is, man. I need a cigar. <laughs> I celebrate. A, a cup of brandy. I was celebra- with Kool Aid. I was celebrating. So I was celebrating my the launch of my clothing line and, and just well, it's already been out. But my Kool Aid Mafia shirts have gone viral, Jay. How? Really? Yesterday, I think someone said there were 70 that were sold. Uh, oh, well, there's going to be a lot more, but he's not getting all the money t- now. T- today, uh, we found out. I, I woke up to my my wife screaming, running downstairs. I said, what's going on? She says, babe, you've gone viral, but for the wrong reasons. I said, what happened? Uh-oh. She was like, the Kool-Aid Mafia shirt is everywhere. <laughs> if, you, if you search Kool-Aid Mafia, this comes With up. With C-O-O-L? Yes. Because that's not the... It's not the Kool-Aid. Right. Look what comes up. Wow. Oh. All six of those are images of your T-shirt. No, no, no. These are all different websites selling my T-shirts. <laughs> Is that allowed? No! no. Well, you need a lawyer. Your mom needs to get on these people. That's right. Get your legal team on it. Can, can, Mama I, Bush. I, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> Mama gonna, Bush. I got to go, I, I go, I gotta go to China. They're from China. Are they really? And, and from, from Scandinavian countries? So that countries? means that you'll get nuts. nothing from no, that. No, no, look. Just if you... There's hundreds of them, and they're even marketing them the Garrett Bush Kool-Aid Mafia shirt. <laughs> Look at this. This is crazy. Garrett Bush Kool-Aid Mafia shirt, custom oh, prints. Oh, you need a cease and desist letter immediately. That's what I said. Look, they got and different. they're selling them for less than you are. Yes. Oh, this is, not, this is not good. And they got Where China is your is legal stealing. team, G. Bush? Get your legal team on China is stealing our intellectual property That's intellectual property once more time. Now here's now here I'm gonna tell you what just like everything everything when you get no internet I just want to put the disclaimer out there I am not affiliated with any of these stores so if you order something for these stores and you don't get it that is you they will not ship it the wow. only place you can get these shirts and you will get a tracking order has my name in the, in the link in the description it here's says, what would scare beauty. Here's what would scare me if I were you. Now that it's out there everywhere, someone at Kool-Aid is going to see it. They're going to. Yeah. Uh-oh. They're going to see the now cigar. Now you're going to get sued. Mm-hmm. And what they're, I'm, my fear now is you're going to be hit with a cease and desist from the real Kool-Aid. Well, they're gonna, copyright infringement doesn't have to be exact yes, replication. It doesn't. 
It doesn't have to be. So exact. they're saying you're infringing on their intellectual property. Here's what we'll say. I, I've, I've done enough to skirt around that little law. Now, yeah, but did, has it gone now, that large? Now I don't know. I don't know how how viral it went. So you did it under the radar. Now it's just like this. My Jason says that's your YouTube channel. It's karma. You can't have a YouTube channel with all this NFL films and stuff up there. I don't know how you can. has been that. playing fast and loose with I was NFL on a films for years. I podcast out of Dallas earlier this week. The thing is littered with NFL films. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's NFL footage all through the entire hour. Yeah. And I'm like, how are these guys getting away with this? Can, are we allowed to say like why we don't use? Because we're because we're we're following we're the following rules. The we're following the rules. Yes. And rich. everybody else out there is renegade Randy. You have yes. you have to pull it down off the internet within 24 by, hours by, if you use it. Correct? Is that right, Mike? Yeah, but no one does. Yeah, by the way, are we also Channel it? Three doesn't do that. Do that. Are we going to also acknowledge that G is the only person under the age of 75 with a pocket square? Oh, I like pocket. Oh squares. no, no I pocket squares are it. I got a bunch. Pocket of them. squares are totally yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, well, you're the only one under 75 without a pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one without that? it? Yeah, yeah because really? now, now I, I'm guessing, yep. just by looking at it, yeah. this could be one of the new wave pocket squares that is actually a pocket liner pulled out. You know what it is. I is that tell. it? Now, here's a Whoa. trick. I can tell because it's flat. So when you tuck that down, that's the inside of it. Here's yep. what you do, bro. Give me together. Give me together. You give it a little ruffle. Give me together. This is origami right here. There you go, there. dog. Sweet. Now it looks more like a real pocket. Screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you if know. you like it the other way, put it the other way. No, I just, I just want my shirts back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hurt my soul. Okay, we haven't even gotten to why this is a big day. Yes, it's a big day because after all of our blood, sweat, and tears, after all of the hard work of McNuggets and Steve and Anthony and Earl and our big boss Steve, who's here. And everybody that has sat on this panel, we have finally cracked from being a YouTube stream show only. Today at 1230, the 1230 to one half hour, will be broadcast live in the Cleveland market on WKYC Channel 3. Congratulations to all of you yeah, guys. And you should be proud of the hard work that you've put in because this is a big, big step. Everybody's very excited, obviously. We're going to sign off on YouTube at 1227, and then we'll be back on on WKYC. That's we right. hope that every single person watching us now joins us at WKYC. We need that. You, yeah. We need that. We, we do. Need Eventually, that, that last half hour will be on YouTube, but we want you to watch live with us at 1230. And it's going to be mostly the same show that we normally do with a little twist to a it. A little so, twist. Yeah. It's There's brand new, new content, things. though. 30 minutes but it's all of new brand content. new, never-before-seen Brown right. Steelers it's preview not a, content. It's not a replay. It's not an edit. Nothing like that. We will be live, and we'll do it every Friday throughout the football season. Now, one thing we want to make perfectly clear, we're not going to stop the YouTube show. We, I have heard from so many people over the last two weeks, does this mean that the YouTube show is going away? It does not mean the YouTube show. You're, the, you're our vertebrae. You're why we stand. You have supported us so much that there are other entities now within the Tegna organization, mostly Channel 3, that have said, we want to spread the reach even further of this show. We've been breaking viewing records for a month. Yeah, We just much. keep breaking a record, breaking a record. Every yeah. day, we break a record. We had the post-game show. How many views does that have? 40,000? It's our most viewed show ever. 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 Is it up to 40,000? It's the 38 and a half. Okay, so it's nearly, it's, it's more than half of Cleveland Brown Stadium full. Yeah. Imagine you guys that did that show sitting in, on the floor at Cleveland Stadium with the building half full, we almost, people watching you. Well, we almost Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> 
So here's here's what I said. (laughs) We're just trying to spread our reach. And most importantly, we want to introduce the show to the folks that are not quite tech savvy. So the the barrier to entry on a YouTube show is is higher than it is for a television show. A TV show, you grab the remote, boom, and you're watching. Obviously, it's a little more difficult to find our show, but not much. You go to any browser, you go to the search bar or the navigation bar, and you type in UCSS, enter. Very simple. And everything that comes up, thousands of different media clips will be the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. What you do after that is you click on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show logo. That takes you to our homepage, and that's where you can watch us every day. When you do that, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll be... You'll, you'll receive notifications whenever there's breaking news. We're on 11 to 1. If if the Browns make a massive trade at 3.30 on a Friday, we're on. We're yep. on and we're telling you about that. That's right. That's so right. if you subscribe, you'll get the instant messages and you'll immediately be able to watch that content. So again, thank you for watching. We hope you continue to watch. And today's a great day, fellas. Yeah. And please join us again on Channel 3 for the final half hour, all of you watching. And we're hoping to get everybody who's watching us on Channel 3 to join the rest of you on YouTube the other uh, 19 and a half hours or nine and a half hours that we're on uh, during the week. Yes. Exactly. Plus all the so today's show, yeah, 20 hours. busy day. <laughs> About 100 hours. Browns wore the white unis in practice yesterday. It kind of burned my retinas. It was that hot. I mean, no. it was just, it, th- these things That's are... the first time in 100 years the Browns have nice uniforms. They're unbelievable. You're probably right on that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I do like what they've done with the orange and brown, but let's face it, no one ever says before they're going to a big event, honey, get my orange and brown suit. I want to look my best today. Yeah. No one ever says that. No, never. You were probably part of a scrum that I was a part of when LeBron was kind of oh, making yeah. those points. Like, yeah. you know, orange and brown, oh, he it said, ain't it. He said for years, change the colors. Change it, change it, change yeah. it. Um, so we're going to show you those pictures <laughs> and, and McNuggets wrote a specific question about these uniforms that is very, very funny. We're going to laugh at, but we're still going to talk about it because maybe he's onto something when you look good, you do feel good and you that. do play well. Yes. I'm a uniform guy. Every time I step on a baseball field tomorrow, I'm stepping on the field for the championship series. I will be buttoned up. I'm kind of like you in that. I'll right. have everything on point. You got to have, listen, if you got, you got to have alternates, you got to have your spikes, your cleats. Your Everything's got to match, job, right? Everything, the wrist, everything. everything. And if they let you wear a visor, please wear a visor. Yeah, and they look in. so good with those white oh, helmets. Oh, yeah. Tim Couch on the show today. Tim A. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb usage versus the Steelers. Was the Bengals game more of a roadmap for where they're going with how they're using him, particularly as a pass catcher? And will they continue to give him in the ballpark of 20 touches a game? All of that being said, McNuggets, good morning. What's up, guys? Before we hop into our first topic, I want to remind everybody that you should feel empowered to care for yourself and your loved one during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind. So you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus $20 off. Additionally, if you use the code LOCKEDON at checkout, that is jacemedical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. 
And with that, Jay, let's get into this first topic. And before we do, I have to set up what we're talking about with a few numbers. I we talked about numbers. You we said about yesterday's numbers are going to, quote, blow our mind. Yeah, they're pretty special, and it bodes well for the Browns on Monday night. Love so the Browns' defensive line against Cincinnati was dominant. First play of the game, Zedaria Smith gets in, crushes Joe Burrow in total. The Browns had 17 pressures on Joe Burrow in 31 dropbacks. Was that the most in the NFL percentage-wise for week one? Percentage-wise, yes, 52%. Steve, you can take uh, 161 here full. In context, the second most defensive, second most dominant defensive line in week one was the 49ers against the putrid Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. Kenny Pickett dropped back 52 times. He was pressured 29 times. Well, that's more. Percentage-wise, that's more right. than the Browns. I, my math is terrible. I already screwed that up. Yep, yeah. there you go. That's it's all right. I'm here for the me. math stuff. Don't, don't worry okay. about that. You know what? I actually added that pressure rate by myself. It's the only math I did <laughs> He's just in, like, yeah, uh, just, by myself. Everything else that. came from PFF. What is important to note here, and Steve, you go back up one to the Steelers' offensive line grades. There is not a single matchup on the Steelers' offensive line that benefits the offensive player versus who they're going up head-to-head against on the defensive line for the Cleveland Were these Browns. total grades or were these pass rush grades? These were their pass blocking grades. Pass blocking grades. Against the 49ers oh, 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 in week one. And by the way, Okafor, well, he's in concussion protocol. May not play on Monday night. He was the only person who graded over a 55. His backup, a first-round pick, Broderick Jones, who they took this wow. year. So, well, hey, we have one of those on the line, too. Not a first-rounder. It could be a matchup, but to put this in context— and take away the, the fact that I did my math wrong. Bad job out of me. I didn't sleep last night, for the record. I, I heard, have been up yeah. all night. But the 49ers had 29 pressures on Kenny Pickett in 52 dropbacks. Mm-hmm. That is the most any team has put up in one single week. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In 14 years, according to Pro, wow. football, focus, pro football Focus data. 40, uh, 29 pressures in 52 Now, Mike, let me ask you this. One. Do you think that that's because who the 49ers are? Because they are. They're an aggressive, very, very fast defensive front. Or do you think that speaks more to they did it that much because the Steelers' offensive line they noticed was very, very thin? It's a mix. And part of the reason I think it's a mix is Kenny Pickett. He's a mobile quarterback. He's got a little movement, but they didn't blitz a ton. They got a lot of pressure They got four four down sets. They have Nick Bosa, Drake Jackson. Do you guys know who Drake Jackson is? Yeah. Well, he had three sacks in the opener. He's tied with T.J. Watt for the league lead. They also have Javon Hargrave and – Eric Armstead, their defensive line is in the same realm as the Browns when it comes to talent. You could say one's better or worse, but I, they're, in the, they're in the same realm. What do you guys There is that? no excuse for I, I the Browns the not to put I would Kenny take the Pickett. Niners, yeah. but slightly. So, but it's fair. In, in the, the same Niners realm. The Niners D-line? Yeah. yeah. No. The, those names are... Either, either way. I like same them. realm go, of disruption. Go ahead, Mike. What's the there point? There is no way on paper, barring the 10-person... 10 personnel protection schemes. Yeah. 
that the Steelers should have any chance to block this Browns defensive line. See, but that's the problem. Football's not played on paper. Yes, everything points to the Browns dominating this game, if you look at what happened in week one. Sure. But as we all know, all the time in football, things happen, and you're like, well, how did that happen? Right. I didn't expect that to happen. Well, the trend about the 17-point winners and losers that meet exactly. the next week. You know, 57% things, of the losers win. Guys play poorly one week. They play well the next week. Sometimes you can't even figure out why that happens. Sure. You know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm expecting the Browns to dominate. I think we're all expecting the Browns right. to play well. I think we're all expecting the Browns to win. You can't guarantee but it. There's no guarantees here in life. Football, football more than anything, from week to week, at, at, all the time things will point to one thing, and it'll be like, well, this is so obvious. This is going to be a low-scoring game or whatever, whatever it may be. The Browns' D-line will dominate. They dominated last week against a much better opponent. Why wouldn't they dominate this week? Mm-hmm. And yes, I, I am, just like most people, expecting that to happen. But to say it's a guarantee, certainly based on one game, is, is ludicrous. No, I, yeah, of course, nothing is guaranteed. I think what Mike's trying to point out is the fact that, like, look, we knew the Steelers' offensive line wasn't very good, wasn't very good last year. And now here's, the, here's more proof. You see the way that the Browns dominated the Bengals last week. And the Bengals, I think you would agree, have a better offensive line with the Steelers. <clears throat> so it's all lining yeah. up well. It is. Um, you know, I kind of – I'm going to – Spin this just a half rotation because Tyvis put something in our chat last night that I thought was really interesting. I didn't really think about it. I was half watching the game last night, Eagles-Vikings game last night, and the Eagles were just running right at the middle of the Minnesota's defense. And why is that? Who was missing off the Vikings defensive line? <laughs> He's Zedaria in a Brown's Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. And, and, and you see that. Now, like, that to me is just as much – Evidence, and I'll, I'll now bring that back to the Browns. Like, they're in Cleveland now. <coughs> and I mentioned it earlier. We saw it on the first play of the game last week. First play, first snap, three-step drop. Zedaria Smith gets there. The, the Bengals, they gashed him a couple. They had one drive where they, they found some room in the middle of the defensive line. But I, I, I guess in watching the game last night and seeing what Minnesota was missing against Philly further verified what we saw last week against Pittsburgh, if that makes sense, and the yeah. additions that the Browns brought over from Minnesota. So when you wrap it all together, I hear what Bull's saying. I agree with Mike. There's there it should go this way. It, yeah. do, it doesn't mean it's going right. To, Everything but it is should pointing go to that. this way. Yeah. It should. Yeah. yeah. Philly ran for over two hundred last night. Oh, they smoked them. I mean, and you're right. I what I didn't think about it until the text, but I did and I think someone said in our group, I think I'm watching the Browns against the Falcons last year. Oh yeah. I mean they were just they not knew just the what Falcons. they were going to do with the Chargers. Minnesota, like, I could yeah, go on. But especially the Falcons. <laughs> the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons was as egregious yeah. of a defensive effort and lack of adjustment as I've ever well, seen. Well, they just kept saying, you, we're going to run. I, I don't know that there was much of an adjustment to make. The Browns didn't have any talent to stop it. So you got to be able to do something. Well, they didn't what? change what anything. What could they have done? Well, load the box. Do something. <laughs> they did. They didn't. They didn't. That was they the didn't problem. They guys in the they, box. They, they didn't change anything. Uh, see, this is why, you know, when you talk about the roster, things it, go, it cuts both ways. So last year, when you looked at the roster, I was like, "What? You're gonna go into the, the season with that? That this is your this is your line?" And so when they got ran all over, 
there was no question in my mind that they were going to get ran over. Well, in Zero. fairness, we weren't that down on the D line. Oh, oh, yeah, well, oh, that was our big question oh, mark. That and wide receiver. Tackles, tackles oh, was the question going into it. It was yeah. a question, but we, we didn't thought, go into the season thinking they would have sucked. Oh no, no. Well, we thought Clowney yeah. and Garrett would make up for the lack of right. bulk in the we middle. We knew it wasn't. And we it wasn't enough. Great, but we point, yeah. I don't think we thought they'd be the worst collection. Of yeah, no way. We did say they're going to be the Achilles heel of this football. I'm the Kool Aid man. I was knee jerk about it. People called me G Bush. You're being overrated. You're just knee jerk reaction. And I said, well, I'm the Duke of knee jerk. That is how I actually got my name by being like, these D tackles are horrible. Joe Woods is terrible. You got to think about it. In this market, people is two, two, three years slow to the party. They, well, Joe that's Woods, true. Hey, you know, Joe Woods, give him some time. Bro, Joe Woods was, was terrible to start with. Taven Bryan, Togiai, you can look at it. If you play the game, you can look at it and be like, that ain't going to get it done. Look, Dequell even said, Dequell had to just be like, yeah, this ain't going to get it. That's terrible. They need to get rid of him, him, and him. So when I look at it, one just, of the hymns was JOK. Hey, guess what? They had, <laughs> they had to get, they put him in a camp. They sent him to a camp <laughs> and worked with him. Now, here's the thing. You camp could, Dequell. You could go to the hospital, right, one time, and you could be healthy, fine, ain't no symptoms, nothing. You go for a routine checkup. The doctor tell you, yeah, some tests came back, and um, you're, you're really sick. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? I eat well, I, I exercise, and you're in denial. But the doctor has diagnostics. The doctor has a, a, a test. The doctors have seen this before. It don't take you five, six times to get one diagnosis. Sometimes the first diagnosis is the right one. When I watch the Cleveland Browns, I see the playmakers. I see the ball playmakers. I, I don't need to see. People don't need to see Patrick Mahomes ten times to know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He proves it over and over again. Now, but you, we didn't know it after his first game. But when you saw the skill, though, the we, skill, we saw the potential. We saw that. Yeah. We saw the saw potential. potential. So when I'm looking at the Browns line and I look at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers line, I know I got Miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith, and they put it on tape. How before. many sacks did they get Monday? Who Browns? What five, four, three? What did the that? 49ers had five on Monday? Three. Yeah, so how many contest. the Browns are going to get? Um, I got them at like six. Wow, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, I mean but, but it could it certainly could happen. It's not crazy. It could happen. But think yeah. about it. If you just take Pittsburgh out of it and you say team A, which would be the Steelers, you put a blank card over it. You put a blank card to say this team has these PFF grades. Yeah, they, we can't give P we can't judge a team based on one week of PFF okay, grades. Okay. That's well, not that's Okay, not, you well you do say that. team this team, yeah. the grades, and guess what? This is how many exacts they Also though, up. those grades were against the bar. Okay, they were and against the 49ers. And then look at it and say they have a second-year quarterback who didn't start all all his first year and has been shaky in his career. You would say, okay, well, that's a no-brainer. Like, he's a second-year quarterback. He's not going to be out here moving around like a veteran. It's not like he has some sort of pocket presence or stuff that he's going to, like, yeah. he's been working on. The bottom line is the Browns' defensive line should dominate the yes. Steelers' offensive line. Yeah. We, like I said, there's no guarantee it's going to happen because things are weird in sports and don't always – Go the way you expect, but everything on paper points to that. Be that if the Steelers have any chance in this game, that they have to do what we don't expect them to do, which is be, be able to protect Kenny Pickett against the Browns' pass rush. That should be should be one of the best in football this year. As far as the PFF grades, you can't look at the Steelers' PFF grades and say, okay, well, the Browns are going to dominate. But then look at the PFF grades of the Browns tackles and the defensive backs from last week and say, oh, well, those don't count. 
Because that's I feel like that's what we've done. We've we've yeah. taken the PFF grades of that's true. Dewan Jones and and sure and, and the defensive backs. Yeah, they all and say gonna, no, they play better than that. But then you look at the Steelers' PFF grades and go, oh well, look, they suck. The PFF grades. Well, I think well, the only difference is who results. they were playing against. Too. But, we, but we're looking at the results, right? Twenty-four to three. Yeah, you're like, well, but, that, that was pretty good. But the 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 trouble with comparing one week PFF grades is you have to consider heavily who they played and who the offensive line of the Steelers were going against is the yardstick defensive line in the NFL. But you can say that's the same thing for the Bengals receivers. Of course you can. And the Browns defensive backs. Of course you can. That's why you got to give the Browns defensive backs. See, they won that battle. I agree. So that's why I was so shocked that their grades were so low. I just dismiss PFF. I don't put as much stock in PFF. Yeah, you know what? Here's what I'm doing. I know that for the offensive linemen, that's really what we have. Yeah. That's what what we have. Yeah. And your eyes. You know, how many times did he get blown up and give up a sack? How many holding penalties did he have? But I really look at the PFF grades with, I give it a half a grain of salt, and that's it. It's yeah. because I know it's all we have as a yardstick, but a lot of times we have sat up here and we've shown grades and we're like, what? How in the world did they get to that? I've, <laughs> talked, I've talked to too many people in the organization who roll their eyes at PFF. Yeah. It doesn't so, mean they're right. What, what, what is this, well, they're this the organization? One, but, has no credibility. Well, no, they've the reached this yeah. pinnacle in, in the their career. The organization knows what they're trying to get done. PFF doesn't. They, they, no, they're not the best run team in town. Yeah. Or in what the was league. their assignment on but that yeah, play? But yeah, only the team knows what they were trying okay, to do Okay, but they on use analytics play. same as PFF does. Maybe it's a different formula. But they again, all use something similar. PFF doesn't know what the play call was. PFF That's doesn't fair. know what the assignments were. Right. Only it's the not team a perfect science. We get it. It's not. I get that. But you can tell. I told you about it with Tyvis. Tyvis is... If Tyvis don't know what the play call is, but if Tyvis sees a formation and three receivers in this coverage, he has an he, idea. He has a I trust Tyvis more than I trust. I PFF. trust Tyvis more than I trust. He played in the league. Yes. Um, well, do I, we know I, guys there didn't play in the league? I, I don't know. They have, they have you know what? Bruce I don't Greg, know how they do it. And who yeah. does Bruce Gradkowski is for PFF. He was a quarterback. Yeah, and okay. I will say, in terms of the Steelers' PFF grades, when you have information that confirms what you already thought then it, you believe it more, right? You do, like, yeah. I thought coming into the season that the Steelers had a bad offensive line. They had a bad offensive line last year. I thought it would be bad again this year. So, against the Niners, they played poorly. Well, I'm going to buy into I, that. I, right. No, I got it. You know, now, of, I, I, guess I, you. I guess you. the Browns had a bad defensive line last year. I think it's going to be good this year. What I saw in week one backed up what I thought exactly. about it. I still need to see it a little more before we're sure it's 49ers quality. And that's why ultimately I put the 49ers ahead for now because they have more of a track record. Right. But I, I what I saw from the Browns week one and what I believe I'll see from the Browns going forward. It's right there. Makes me believe it's going to be right there. I, as we go I agree with that. I can understand where Jason's coming from. It's, yeah. it's just one piece of the it's puzzle. One, that's right. Like you can't take it in totality like it's the end it's all. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a part of evaluation. And and Mikey, to answer your original question, I'll give my answer now. And I, first, I'll say what Bull said. These are guesses. We don't, nobody knows. We're just judging based on what we saw from Pittsburgh in week one. That's right. What we, what we saw from Cleveland in week one. And a lot of times, I, I try to give educated guesses. I try to go deeper and look at trends and stats and everything else. There was one stat that I found that I think is really a home run number. It's going to blow your guys' mind. And it's going to lead to my second point in this discussion. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the only NFL team that has not recorded a 400-yard game on offense since the start of the 2021 season. All of 21. Right. All of 22. And one game of 35 games. Here's what's stunning about that. 
Every other team has done it at least three times. And there's wow. some bad teams in that group. There are some horrible teams yeah, in that group. Yeah, right, right. Now, that's part one of why I think the Browns are going to dominate the, the Steelers this week on the defensive and offensive line. I'll take it a step further. Yesterday in the conversation with the Didi, everybody on this panel was stunned that Canada is back as the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Th- this is the trend. This is this is the body of work he has put on paper and on tape. That's right. Aditi, much to my surprise, said on this show, "Well, he's back because the owner doesn't like to pay coaches that aren't on the pay that are yeah, on not, the staff." I'm not surprised about that because she no. and I have talked about it off the air. Okay. And, well, and, th- this next stat will surprise you. Yeah. The Roonies, who are widely regarded as the Blue Blazer kind of Tiffany owner in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have defied the talent cycle of going down every five years and coming back up. They by, have. They've stayed at the top. Yeah. They've done it because they're smart. They make the right hires. They give people a little bit of room. But when they figure out that it's time to move on from someone, they've done it. They've I done it with players. They're equivalent to me for a baseball comparison of the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a very good now, the comparison. the Cardinals having a bad season this because year, but the they Cardinals never do. The reason that's a good comparison, the Cardinals win every once in a while, yeah. but they're always relevant. Always relevant. And that's the Steelers. They, even they though they're win not once in a while, even though they haven't done it lately. Right, not sexy. Right. Don't spend the most money. They're just money. steady, you yeah. know? Yeah. But here's, and, and by the way, the Cardinals have changed their front management and yeah. middle management a lot over the yes. last couple of years because they realized it wasn't the right thing. The reason it surprises me that Rooney wouldn't be willing to pay what does an offensive coordinator make? A million? Probably yeah. not even that, but you okay. think Matt Canada's making a million? The fact no. that yeah. they wouldn't write Matt Canada a check yeah. to fix what is clearly broken. It's clearly broken. When And I said this on the air yesterday, and Aditi said, is that true? I said, once, once upon a time, Jimmy Haslam was paying six head coaches. Hey, that's the one thing. And, you can- and, and here's the headline. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns have paid or are paying six head coaches $49 million not to work. That's the one That was thing, six head coaches that weren't with them anymore. That's the one thing you can give Jimmy Haslam credit for. Uh, I mean, it's it's a criticism and a credit. He I think it's guy, an indictment. Whatever. It, yes, but he's at least he's willing to do it. Good job for recognizing that you've been terrible. Yeah, that's right. But at least he's willing to do that. That's yeah, how, you know, I, I, but I, the, the bigger part of that is, it's like yeah. Mrs. Lincoln, other than that, how did you enjoy the play? What I can't, I, what, what, what jumps at me on that headline is, we were paying seven head coaches at one time. How did, that's almost impossible to do, guys. I, I don't know. Seven? Here's the headline from Cleveland.com. Read it out yeah. loud. Yeah. Okay. The big old uh, Browns pants. I, I, I don't know how Jimmy structures the contracts. Yeah. I know Dan was the same way with the Cavs. And he, when he fires guys, he stretches it. So, they, so it's still true. But a lot, if it's a five-year deal, yeah. he stretches it over 10 years. Well, we've years. gone away from the point you wanted to make. Yeah. Well, the, the, that they the have an offensive coordinator who has not done a good job. Their offense is broken. And a lot of people that watch the Steelers a lot more than I do tell me that Canada is absolutely well, the problem. But, Just like we sat here last year and said that we know what the problem is Jay, with the Browns' defense. Then why was – see, I don't buy that only because why everybody was going nuts about the Steelers' offense. This preseason. Yeah, but that's bull. That's the typical hype cycle that always happens. It doesn't happen for every team. It happens when you win all the time. So the assumption is, well, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've always figured it out. I I heard so many people this offseason. Kenny Pickett, he's looking great. The offense is Canada's the problem of the offense? I mean, I don't know. I don't watch the Steelers close enough to know for sure. 
there's a lot of people complaining about Matt Canada oh, last yeah. year. The Steelers fans I know are but screaming again, about it. I, I, again, we only have one game to go on this year, yeah. so it goes back to overreaction Monday. Let's wait and see. If they're yeah. still as terrible three or four weeks from now, I then know, yeah, Matt Canada. But the stat that's that I fair. gave you, the stat that I that's gave a, that's, you, that's fine, that's but they haven't yeah. had a 400-yard game in more than three he years? Is, he's not a good coordinator. And old people, when you get older, you get yeah. stuck in your ways. That's fine. He can be a bad coordinator. He may be a bad coordinator. And also, they don't have that much talent. I don't think they're a very talented offense. And, and, and it's hard to it, just recycle things where you yeah. want to get good every five years. All it takes for you to do is miss once or twice. Everybody's going to miss in the draft. Everybody's going to miss in free agency. So, the, yeah, the Steelers but they are good. But I mean, they, they have missed. They traditionally haven't. Yeah. But if they miss on Kenny Pickett, that's when it. That's right. And that's and, why I say, you say, well, they don't have any talent. Well, if we go on track record. They always have talent. They always draft well. That's why they're never at the bottom of the talent cycle. Right. They have talent on defense. I think their talent is way overrated Here's what's amazing to me. They haven't had a 400-yard game in three years, but they've never been under 500. It is. So that speaks to their talent on defense. They're good defensively. I I think I just – all of those points that I make give me a pretty comfortable feeling going into Monday. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get 400 yards on this Browns No, defense. I don't think this is the week. I don't think this, this is isn't the week. No, but and Mikey, so the Browns got? have to do what they need to do on offense, and it should be a win. Mikey. We got to bring in our next guest in one sec. Before we do that, we have a poll result to read you from the YouTube chat. Whenever we read you results from the internet, it's brought to us by our dear friends over at PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, well, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are eyeing for all positions starting at $18 and up, plus full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We asked the YouTube chat with over 300 votes whether or not they believe the Browns can get 20 or more pressures on Kenny Pickett the 49ers had 29 in week one. 85% of the chat believes the Browns can and will wreak havoc on the Steelers' offensive line and Kenny Pickett. And with that, let's bring in the last quarterback for the Cleveland Browns to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers That's, in Pittsburgh. Thanks for spoiling the first question. In the regular season. In the regular season. Yeah, yeah. That is the one, the only, Mr. Tim Couch. Hey, there Tim, he is. What's Tim, up, did guys? You, did you know that that was, the, that that was still the case? Did you realize that? You know, I saw that stat yesterday, and I'm like, surely that can't be right. right. are you kidding me? So I I don't feel great about it. You know, I'd love to see the Browns go out there and win a few games, but, but man, I I sure didn't realize it had been that long since they were able to do that. I mean, that's just – some of the stats with the Steelers here in Cleveland are are, – Steelers, period, well, the one, the Browns. The one you've been reading all week. Tell Tim that stat. Yeah, Tim, the Browns haven't finished ahead of the Steelers in the standings since 1989. 1989? 1989. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. I didn't realize that. I know. Ten, I saw ten another years stat. Before you were um, yeah, that's crazy. I, I saw a stat the other day about Roethlisberger's uh, record uh, against the Browns, and I guess he was like the winningest quarterback in Browns stadium. <laughs> yes. <that's laughs> so, I mean, uh, the numbers are just ridiculous, man. <laughs> that, that is crazy. You know insane. what? Tim Couch was 11 the last time the Browns finished ahead of the Steelers in the standings. That's disrespectful. That's nuts. That's just ridiculous. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, is this the year, Tim? Is this the year the Browns finish out of the Steelers? You know, I, from what I saw in week one, I would have to say, yeah. You know, the, the improvement on the defensive side of the ball with Jim Schwartz coming in, the way he's changing things up. Guys, it looks different than last year, right? You know, we were sitting here um, last year in week one talking about, 
you know, there's no communication. There's blown coverages. We're not getting pressure on the quarterback. We can't stop the run. And what we saw in week one against a very good offensive football team was the exact opposite of that. You know, we saw defense creating havoc on a really good quarterback, uh, making, you know, they held him to 80-whatever yards passing, which is phenomenal. I know the weather played a little bit of a role in that as well. But this defense looks much improved. And, you know, offensively, I think we're going to be a lot better as well. I think Deshaun's going to have a big year. Obviously, we're going to be able to run the football with that offensive line and Nick Chubb. So hopefully this is a year that streak ends and uh, we don't have to say it's been since 2003 anymore. Tim, I know we want to look ahead to the Steelers, but I have to, this could be a really stupid question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. (laughs) Against the Bengals, neither team was expecting it to rain. And it didn't rain that hard. It really, it wasn't a monsoon by any means, but it clearly affected both teams. Does it matter as a game plan as a quarterback? If you, because my theory all week has been, well, neither team prepared for it. Neither team expected it. So then when it rained, neither team knew how to handle it. But obviously, you've played in the rain before, and it just felt like the second half game plan was different. Is that a th- Am I nuts, or is that a thing? If you're not expecting it to rain, and you set up a game plan for clear skies, and then all of a sudden it rains all day, can it have that big of an impact? Because I don't understand why how that light of a rain could have impacted both teams as much as it seemed to. Yeah, it had a huge impact on the game. You know, I think early on in the football game, Burrow really, the ball looked like it was just kind of squirting out of his hand. He had yeah. no zip on the football. You know, even like the, you know, the short uh, intermediate routes, the, you know, 5, 10, 15-yard throws, they were just kind of barely getting there, you know, dying at guys' feet. So he was really struggling with the elements for sure. Um, you know, I always found it very difficult to throw the football in the rain. It's just it makes you make different decisions with the ball than you're, you know, normally you drop back and you see a throw, you're like, I can get that in there and you zip it in. But when it's raining like that, you just don't have the velocity on the ball. You don't have the control uh, in, in your, in your grip. So you do have to change the way you attack defenses uh, and the type of throws you're going to make when it's raining like that. And I guess, you know, the Browns adjusted to it, you know, better in the second half. Uh, they were able to run the football. Deshaun looked like he was throwing the ball a little bit better to me. Uh, considering the elements than, than, than Burrow did. But it, but it definitely does change things. It makes it harder, especially, like you said, when you're game planning and you're expecting nice weather and you've probably got all these, you know, these shot plays in and the passing game coming off of play action and things like that. And you really just can't call them uh, when the weather's like that. You know, Tim, when, when you are playing and, and the, the football is, but can you kind of describe the difference um, between a wet ball and a dry ball? Um, there are a lot of guys that have talked about the ball being heavy. Um, do mm-hmm. the referees swap those out and, and how often do they swap those out um, in order, I guess, to get a new ball that's, that's dry or do they just let it let it ride out? Yeah, they, they try to keep it as dry as possible. You know, the, the biggest problem I always found when it's raining like that is, you know, you're, you're under center and, you know, your center has been on the ground. You know, his pants are soaking wet. You know, he's been blocking people, been rolling on the ground in the mud. You got your hands under there, so your hands are covered you know, in, in rain and sweat and everything else. And then he snaps you the wet ball and, you know, just dropping back. You're just trying to flip the ball around, trying to find a dry spot to get a grip on it. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is when it's wet like that, you have a tendency to, to grip the ball a little tighter, which is obviously the, it's probably the, the thing you want to do the least because it makes the ball squirt out of your hand, but you just want to grip it tighter because it feels wet. But, you know, you really kind of want to loosen your grip a little bit. I always try to drop my my thumb down a little lower on the ball just to get a little bit more control on the back side of the football. Um, but it, but it's tough, you know. I mean, it's uh, it definitely changes the way you approach the game, and you got to think about a lot more things as a quarterback. And um, it, it's, it certainly affects you. But there's there's things you can do. You know, in practice, we used to do wet ball drills where we would take a bucket out there and just dip the ball in the bucket and then snap it to the quarterback, and you just try to get used to throwing that way. So. You know, it's part of the game, and, you know, it's, uh, it makes it tough. And, you know, we saw both of the quarterbacks be pretty affected by it. Tim, this is uh, – they're all big games. 
but th this one's huge because obviously it's a division game. They're coming off yeah. a win. They'd love to bounce to 2-0. and But uh, it's also big for Deshaun Watson for another reason. Um, you know, we, we, we tended to write off the six games last year that were clearly well below average as, well, you know, he was playing in Jacoby's offense. And they had geared it more for Jacoby, and he kind of handed it off to Deshaun. And clearly, they're two different kinds of players. But then this year, we saw the same numbers, very similar numbers that he put up last year. Nothing eye-popping, uh, around 150 yards passing, which is where he's tended to be more than not. Uh, and we said, well, you know, it was wet. So, you know, if the track is clean and the weather is clear in Pittsburgh, here we go. You know, you don't have right. either of those as an excuse. How big is this game for Deshaun Watson? You know, I think that's a great point, Jay. I think it's a, it's a huge game for him and his, and his confidence and, and for the team's confidence in him. You know, I think, you know, from everything I heard and saw this offseason through OTAs and training camp, Deshaun looks like a different player. I think he's got a much better command of the offense. His accuracy has come back. It almost seems like he's got his legs back underneath him from, you know, being out of the game for a couple of years. So th this is a big game. I don't want to judge him too hard after that week one performance because we saw it affect you know, what I think is, you know, maybe probably a top two or three quarterback in the league and Joe Burrow could barely throw the football. So I don't I don't want to be too harsh on Deshaun in that game and really want to see him, like you said, Jay, in, in some better elements. Uh, hopefully it's better weather in Pittsburgh on Monday night and we can see what this Deshaun Watson this year is really going to look like. But I, I think it's a, absolutely a huge game for him. He needs to get some confidence and get this offense rolling and, and start getting those explosive plays back into this offense to go along with that great running game. Tim, if you took two years off, what would be the last thing to come back? as a quarterback. And the reason I ask is because it, I, I went back and watched, I was at the game as in the press box, but then I went back and, and watched some of the films of it. It just looked like Deshaun was just late processing things. Like yep. he was late throwing to Marquise Goodwin. He was, he didn't see guys who were wide. It didn't, it felt to me like he just didn't see guys who were wide open. And I'm just wondering if the mental processing is the first thing to come back or the last thing to come back. If you took that much time off as a quarterback, what's the last thing you would get back? You know, I think it would be the speed of the game. You know, I think you make a great point. You know, I think, you know, going through practice and, you know, trying to simulate a game is just not realistic. You know, you can't really simulate the speed at which the game is played at when it's, you know, regular season. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably the last thing to come back is how quickly you got to make these decisions and how quickly you got to get rid of the football and throw the ball with anticipation and those kind of things. And, you know, when you've been out of the game for a couple of years and you come back and, you know, the last thing you want to do is go out there and make mistakes and turn the football over. So you have a tendency to probably hold on to the ball a little bit too long to make sure the guy's going to be open. You know, instead of saying, you know, I know this is where my read is taking me. I know my guy's going to be breaking into this window. I got to anticipate that throw and let it go. And it seems like, you know, just like you said, it seems to me like that as well. Deshaun is maybe holding on to it just a, just a tick too long before he's letting it go. So I think, you know, just uh, just getting that trust back in yourself and, and you know, trust in the receivers and trust in the system that you're, you know, you, you believe what you see pretty much is what I'm trying to say. You tr your feet and your arm and your eyes are all believing what you're seeing and you're, you're just going back and you're playing free and, and you're cutting it loose. And, you know, we haven't seen that yet and that's probably the last thing to come back. So that's what I want to see on Monday night is, you know, the old Deshaun Watson that we saw and when he was with the Texans, who were just out there slinging it around, putting up huge numbers. And, uh, you know, ho hopefully that guy comes back and uh, he, he can have that type of season this year. You know, uh, Tim, you know, one of the, the questions I, you know, I, I toss around in my head is, you know, I'll go back to, 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 you know, years past when they talk about specifically, you know, complimentary football. It seems today it's like, okay, we either have to have 
Deshaun Watson do his thing or we have to have Nick Chubb do his thing or whose team is it or do we need Deshaun Watson to be elite? Um, you, you know, you know, complimentary football is, is something that, that helped a lot of teams win that had great quarterbacks too. Um, when you say Deshaun Watson has to have a big game, how would you describe a big game? How would you describe him having a breakout game? Is it what he's seeing? Is it numbers? Is it stats? Is it the win losses? How how do you, how would you gauge whether or not he is back to what he was before in Houston? Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I think it's more of the way it looks. You know, is the ball coming out on, on time? Is the passing game does does the passing game have timing and rhythm in it? Is Deshaun seeing the field? Is he anticipating throws? Does he have command of the offense? Is he getting in and out of the right plays at the line of scrimmage? Um, you know, just you know, going out there and getting first downs, and, and the offense is moving and operating in a, uh, within a good rhythm. And you know, that, that's what you want to see. To me, that shows he's back. You know, for, for me, it's not necessarily about you know going out and putting up 350 yards in the passing game. It's you know, are the are the plays there? Or is he making the plays that are there to be made? You know, when he has a you know a deep shot down the field and it's wide open, do you hit those throws? Um, you know, if it's third and nine or third and ten, is he going to sit in the pocket? You know, the blitz is coming. Is he going to take that hit, anticipate the throw, make the big throw and catch over the middle? You know, those type of things is what I want to see. And, uh, you know, so so for me, it's really just the way it looks, you know, more than it, more than it is stats that, uh, you know, on a stat sheet. I just want to see, you know, the offense moving in the way it should and, and getting, the, getting the playmakers the football, getting it out of your hand quickly, staying out of negative plays, obviously, you know, eliminating turnovers, those kind of things is, is what I want to see from Deshaun. Tim, I want to follow up quickly on what Jason asked. I thought that was a great question, Jason, about what's the last thing to come back. We're almost talking about it as if he didn't play last year because you're saying when he's away for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. Um, he played the last six games of last year, yep. all of camp this year as the guy, yep. and then one game this year. So if that's the last thing to come back, should it take seven-plus games for it to return? You know, it could. You know, he was he was out of the game for a while. And I think for more for Deshaun, you know, I think it was probably, and you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been in those shoes that he had to go through, uh, you know, with all the, you know, the stuff he had to deal with off the field of people saying things about him, attacking him as a person. So that has to take a toll on you mentally. You know, so where, where does he, how, how does he get himself back on the field and, and believing in himself and feeling good about the person he is and the player that he is? So, so I think he dealt with more than just, you know, it wasn't like he had an injury and he was coming back and, and this guy, you know, he was dealing with a lot of stuff off the field that had to attack him, you know, emotionally. You know, people were attacking his character and those kind of things. So I think that probably plays a toll in it. And, you know, I think just now getting, he looks more confident to me. You know, I think, you know, watching him in the offseason and, you know, the, the things he's doing with the guys and taking them, you know, um, uh, working on their own, you know, away from camp and stuff like that, taking the receivers and working and, and just trying to get a feel for the guys and, and get, uh, you know, get, get everyone on the same page within the offense. So, you know, for me, I think it's, you know, more for Deshaun's confidence as, uh, you know, it is anything. And I, I think once he gets his confidence back, he starts believing in himself. And I think that comes with going out and, and performing well. You know, when you perform well, everyone starts to believe in you again and you start to feel like your old self. So he just needs to go out and have a big game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, what, what better way to do that on a Monday night? Everyone's watching. You got the biggest stage, you know, in the regular season, a big Monday night game against a, a division rival. So it'd be a great time for Deshaun to go out and, and, and gain that confidence back. Tim, uh, G referenced Nick Chubb in his question to you as well. And we've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson. But I, part of it, you know, the Browns have in recent years have never really thrown to the backs all that much, not as much as they could. It's a good weapon that a lot of teams use. 
that if, if you would have any criticism, fair or not, of Nick Chubb's game, the only thing would be is that he's not much of a pass catcher. I would argue they haven't given him the opportunity rather than it being his fault. However, they did make him a you know sort of focal point in the passing game as well this past week. Uh, he led the team in receptions. Do you expect, we're about to talk about this, I'm curious your take. Do you expect that to be a much bigger part of his game? Or do you think it was an anomaly in game one uh, that Chubb was heavily involved in the passing game? Right. You, you know, I hope it's a bigger part of the game plan and a bigger part of Chubb's game because, you know, anytime you can get the football in his hands, it, it has to be a positive thing. You know, I think, you know, with Deshaun, if it's a, you know, you're taking a shot on, you know, maybe first or second down off a of play action, you know, what, what you want to do is you want to work from the top down. You know, if the shot's there, obviously take it. If you get a one-on-one -on -one situation, take those shots. You know, I want to see four or five, maybe six shots down the field uh, every game. But if that shot's not there, if they guess right and they, they're playing, the, you know, soft zone coverage, there is nothing wrong with dropping back, getting off that first read, dumping it down to Nick Chubb, you know, five, six times a game because who breaks tackles more than better than Nick Chubb in the league? You know, no one I can think of, maybe Derrick Henry or somebody, but, you know, you get him the ball one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker in the middle of the field, he's probably going to break that tackle, and that, that five-yard little dump-off turns into, you know, 12 to 15, 20-yard gain sometimes. So, you know, I think for Deshaun, he needs to get real comfortable at getting the ball into Chubb's hands, and if it's not there, finding that outlet receiver – and getting the ball out of his hand as quickly as possible into Chubb's hand and, and the playmaker's hand. So, so I hope that they expand on that. It did look good in week one. And, uh, you know, I want to see, definitely see more of that as the season goes on. Tim, when you flip to the other side, we talked about a little bit about how ferocious the Browns' defense was. Miles Garrett, early in the game, doing the crossover dribble. I mean, <laughs> he was, he's looking loose as a goose out there. He's got yeah. more talent around him by far than he's ever had. Are you expecting him to have his best season ever? I would think so. You know, when they signed my guy Zadarius Smith from Kentucky, I, I thought that was a great addition because Zadarius can flat get after it, man. That, that guy is a, is a great player in his own right. You know, I think, you know, obviously Miles is on a different level than, than pretty much anyone, but Zadarius makes a big difference. You know, he, he really does. He frees Miles up, and they're able to move Miles around. I love that they didn't just line him up in one position. You know, we saw him over the over the center, like you said, doing the basketball crossover and just having fun and loose and, and um, you know, just creating havoc. And they're, they're such great players, those two, and, and they, they look like a different defense. You know, I really was impressed by the way they played. The, the defensive backs looked awesome. You know, Cincinnati obviously has some great uh, playmakers at wide receiver. They were all in those guys' faces. They weren't scared to, you know, get beat. They were jumping routes. They were they were uh, breaking up passes. It just looked really good from the front end to the back end of that defense. I thought the play calls were good. The timing on the blitzes were good. They were getting pressure on Joe. Um, it, it just looked great, man. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it in week two. Uh, I guess another divisional opponent. So, But I, but I think this, uh, you know, from what I've seen so far, it's a much improved unit. You know, Tim, you got Dewan Jones starting at right tackle. Um, take us inside the huddle a little bit. What are some ways that a quarterback who is playing with a rookie right tackle or a rookie left tackle, what are some things you can do as a quarterback besides getting the ball out quickly? Is there something you yeah. could do uh, with the protection schemes to help him out? Or Wait a second, G. What would Tim know about that? He played behind great offensive line. <laughs> they were fantastic. He played behind maybe the greatest offensive line in the history of football. All of famers. All five of them. Yeah, all, yeah, I feel great. My body feels great because of that. Now. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, we called him the paper moon. Oh, God. <laughs> it was yeah, you know, you know, I think, you, you know, to your question, I think, you know, he, he's obviously a massive 
human being. And, you know, it's, um, so he's got a great, you know, great, uh, you know, base there to be able to go out and, and protect. When you're going up against a guy like T.J. Watt or, you know, some of those pass rushers they have in Pittsburgh, you're going to have to help him a little bit. He's a rookie. You know, I think obviously the biggest thing is what you said is getting rid of the football quickly. But, you know, putting a tight end to that side, obviously chipping with a running back, just making sure you're getting him the help, especially on the obvious passing downs. You know, if it's third and seven, third and eight, don't just put him one-on-one on an island with one of the best pass rushers in the league. You know, that can really break a, a young player's confidence. So, you know, sliding protection, you know, to his side, you know, chipping with a back, tight end in, uh, staying in to block on that side. Uh, just, just those kind of things, I think, just to kind of help him, especially early in the game when they, you know, the, they come out fired up, that stadium is super loud, and, uh, you know, th- those kind of things, and it's obvious passing downs. So I think you help that rookie out as much as possible. I will say this, Tim. Baker was good at this, changing his cadence up. Baker was great on the hard count, changing it up. He got a lot of people to jump. I don't know if Deshaun has that in his repertoire, but that's that's one thing that helps out a lot, too. It does help That's a, a great point. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. The, your cadence is, you know, it, it's a little tougher on the road with the crowd noise because you can't, you know, they can't really hear you that well anyway, and a lot of times you're going on a silent count. But but your cadence is uh, is very helpful in those situations for sure. Aaron Rodgers, great at it, yeah. just absolutely mm-hmm. great at yes. it. Okay, yeah. uh, before we let you go, it's I think I know where you're leaning, but is this the first time since you did it in 2003 that the Browns go into Pittsburgh and come home with the win in the regular season? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, you know, I really think it is. I, I just don't think Pittsburgh has the offensive weapons right now to, to keep up with Cleveland. I think this defense will go in there. They're going to keep it to a low-scoring game. I think Deshaun has a good game. I think Chubb's able to establish the run. And, and I think finally we can say they haven't, you know, they haven't won a game there since 2003. I think this is the year that they get over that hump. They win a game on the road, regular season game on the road in Pittsburgh, and, and the streak is over. So Deshaun Watson can join you in the yeah. in the very exclusive club. There you go. Uh, since the <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Tim, great stuff. Wait, no, before we go, oh, for Tim, you. we got one true or false question. Steelers Browns history. Are you ready to play a one question round of true or false with us? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. True or false, Tim? Ben Roethlisberger has more career passing yards versus the Browns than Otto Graham, Bernie Kosar, and Brian Sipe have combined against the Steelers. True hmm. or false? Oh, God, I'm going to have to say false on that one. Tim, you got if a one-question answer was enough to take the belt, you would win because that is correct. <laughs> the trio has slightly more than Ben Roethlisberger okay. does by himself. We do true and false every Wednesday with Tyvis, and this week Tyvis was our champion. But, Tim, because Tyvis did not go 100%, I am now retroactively awarding you <laughs> the championship belt. Oh, for your somewhere Tyvis is offended. Oh, thanks, man. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Tim. Tim, great stuff. Thanks. All right, appreciate we'll it, guys. Good to be with you. Yep, enjoy Sounds the game. Good. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.